Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You got to get to that point where you just like put your hand in his face and you say, fuck off. Welcome to Manic Rambling Spiral. I am John R. Bray. And I am Heather B. Armstrong. Bonjour. Yes. And we are now both in the same country again. Yes. After a brief Parisian hiatus. <laughs> Not just Paris, though. Some time in Amsterdam. Some time in Amsterdam, yeah. It's going to be... sounds lovely. Yeah. Well, first, it's going to be a little rough and tumble today. Um, uh, there is a new cleaning lady... And she had to come today right now. So you may hear some of that in the background. Um, my house has not been touched in over six weeks. I came home and had a complete allergic reaction <laughs> to the dust. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, that's right. Because Pete has been kind of in and out, too. Yeah. Because he was over in Paris and Amsterdam. Yeah. yeah. And you are, you've been back not not a week, just exactly a week. No, I got back on Thursday night. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. I don't want to talk too much about this part, but um, my foot got better and I took off the boot. I think we, at the last, we, we talked about the boot, right? We, I got into a boot. We did, yeah. yes. Um, and I was able to take it off and sort of walk around with a wrap on my foot and I was doing great. And then we went to Amsterdam. You've been there, haven't you? I only flew through. That was where our layover was on the way to Denmark. Yeah, best airport in the world. Love that airport. It's, oh yeah, phenomenal airport. That's that's true. Yeah. For for those unfamiliar with 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 Amsterdam, and <laughs> I actually got a lot of um, uh, comments and emails about this. People laughing, and I wrote about the cyclists in Amsterdam. Um, cycling is a thing. Um, people ride bikes. Which is great because it's great right. for the environment, but they're sort of at the top of the food chain. They take no prisoners. And I actually had more than one person tell me that the first day they were in Amazon, uh, Amsterdam, they got hit by a cyclist. <laughs> I believe it. It's. I mean, I've never spent time in Amsterdam, but it sounds very similar in that regard to Denmark. Yeah, they're, they're ruthless and there's so many of them and they're going at speeds that are kind of insane and they don't. There's no rules. There are no rules about it. They just go and they they skip all the stop signs and they skip traffic lights. And it's just really, really scary at times. Well, it's scary if you have a broken foot. I mean, that sounds kind of scary anyway. Is it just everyone there just knows that? Like they kind of rule the road? Yeah. And every taxi that we took, they talked about it, how if you hit a cyclist, it's immediately your fault. It doesn't matter if the cyclist was doing something wrong or the cyclist was aiming at you. If you hit a cyclist, you're in the wrong. So they're very, 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 very careful about looking for cyclists when they take turn, like when they turn right or turn left. Oh, my God, it was scary. And so I'm just going to call him. I know people, I don't know if people, 
Pete sort of put me on the inside of the sidewalk so that he would be on the outside because, I mean, they zoom by so fast and so close to you on the sidewalk that they, they could hit you on the sidewalk. Oh, right. With like their handlebar. Yeah. But, and the sidewalks are all cobblestone, <laughs> which oh, is God. beautiful, right? Except that the cobblestones aren't the size of my foot and they sort of roll my foot. And so I'm walking on cobblestones for, you know, seven days and my foot started to get worse and worse. And then I was trying to cross the street when all of a sudden out of nowhere, a cyclist appeared and Pete caught me before she hit me. I sort of rolled my foot on the edge of the, the little curb and that wasn't good. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> No, I imagine not. It wasn't, you know, but we were having such a good time. I didn't care until the descent into uh, Salt Lake City Air- Airport when the pressure in the airplane caused my foot to swell to the size of a softball. So I'm still dealing with that. We'll figure it out. Did you bring the boot? I did. Is it back on? I I should probably put it back on. <laughs> It's just so goddamn inconvenient. Arrgh. Oh yeah, they they're big and clunky yeah. and yeah. Yeah. Well, but are okay, so are the cyclists nice though? Um or are they kind of intolerant of pedestrians? They're intolerant. Which I get it because it's just full of tourists, right? Um tourists are just walking right. around la da da. Oh my gosh, uh, water with flowers, a canal, a boat. A hot dog. And they're trying to, you know, they've got places to go. And so they don't care. They are just ruthless. It's it's scary. Yeah, bikes, I, I think it's great. I think the culture is great. I think it was great in Denmark. I, I watched a cyclist plow into a pedestrian in oh, really London, actually. In, where was I? Like Greenwich, I think. And it was 100% the, pedest- the walker's fault because... She was on her phone, like staring down and walked without even noticing into a bike lane. And this guy just directly slammed into her. And it was it was about as elegant as it could be because he hit her and kind of twisted himself so that he would hit the ground and she would hit him, basically. Oh, my God. And but it was it was a great scene because I thought it was going to be just terrible and yelling and screaming. And they both fell and stood up. And it was like a battle of apologies <laughs> between the two of them. Like, well, I could have been going slower. Well, I should have looked, but I could have turned around. It was almost comical. <laughs> and this was in an area where there were like a bike every so often. Yeah. But when you have these bike lanes, that's just nonstop bike traffic. Yeah. That kind of thing can't happen. Right. You cannot step off. Or it's chaos. Yeah. I mean, it's huge. You would, if, if somebody stepped off the curb at the wrong time, you'd have a pileup of bikes. Yeah. Right. And that was the one thing. And people would talk about my trip. I'm like, if you're going to Amsterdam, it's a wonderful, wonderful time. But you got to look both ways like 16 times. <laughs> and stay as far away from well, the bike they lane come, as possible. And they, well, the bike lane is usually right next to the sidewalk. And sometimes you can't. The color of the bike lane is really, really similar to the color of the sidewalk. And you can't tell. And they come from out of nowhere oh, yeah. is the thing. They like appear, like they just appear. <laughs> because they're silent. Yeah. So they just whip exactly. around corners and yeah. 
Wow. But but aside from near death with cyclists, Amsterdam was good. Oh my god! Amazing. It was just. I guess. Um, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I I was there in 2006, but it was February and it was dark and it rained the entire time. Um, and it was it was beautiful, and I have beautiful pictures from it. But I I maybe it's the. And I was talking to to Pete about this last night. I was like, is it? The wisdom that you get from being a little bit older and having traveled the world that you can appreciate certain things more because we explored food like crazy, which we didn't do in 2006. We stayed at an Airbnb, a top floor Airbnb that uh, had a window overlooking a giant, giant forest garden. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, and we would wake up, it would rain in the morning, and we would wake up to hearing the rain outside in the, in the trees. People spoke perfect English. They actually, their English is so good, they sound American. Yeah, I ran into that in Denmark, yeah. too, with so many people. The food was so good. The weather was so lovely. The scenery, the museums. The service there is interesting. I wonder what it's like in Denmark. Like table service? Yeah. Not friendly? No, it's very friendly. They just, there is no urgency whatsoever. In France, in Paris at least, they'll serve you immediately, right? They come up to you, what do you need? Here you go, here it is. And then they leave you alone, right? You have to go get them to pay the check. Okay. In Amsterdam, they're like, we'll serve you. Maybe, I don't know when, we're, when we will serve you. Um, but we'll be there and we'll smile. We'll, yeah, we'll eventually show up. Interesting. No, it was not like that in Denmark. <laughs> I can't say that it was necessarily like there was urgency in Denmark, but it was, I guess, what you would expect. Yeah, it's European. That's it's funny. the European way of doing things. So we didn't mind. We were in no rush. That was the thing about it is that, so I, I, wrote, I wrote a post on Instagram about this and I took off my Fitbit one day. I just sort of like, was like, I'm done with this. I can't, I'm just, I'm, I'm done counting the steps. I'm done being tied to that. Right. I didn't, th- I didn't even think about it after I took it off. I think I know where it is. I'm not exactly sure. It's still off. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. I haven't put it back on. And then I took off my watch. And is that still that off? It's still off. My watch is still off. For over a week? Um, it's been off for three weeks now. Wow. Over three weeks. Mm-hmm. That's pretty significant. It's huge. I mean, it sounds, I, I think to some people who don't wear a smartwatch, that sounds dumb. Like to just stop wearing it. But it's a weird thing to untether from. Yeah. It, you know, the I would put my phone in my purse and sometimes I would hear a ding or whatever. But the ding didn't come to my wrist. And right. that that dinging on my wrist, that little vibration on my wrist was causing, you know, it caused a lot of a lot of terror in me all the time. And I just took it off. And I didn't check email for three weeks. <laughs> Which has a great feeling until you check email again. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't check email for three weeks. I just said, fuck it. I I need I gotta step away. I have got to step away. I, I had this sudden realization. There were a few moments, a few revelatory moments in Paris where I was like, I have to step away and I have to untether myself from these things. 
and stop it. Do you see yourself going back to both now that you're no. back in routine? No. Um, when I am capable of exercising again, once my foot gets better, I will use the watch for exercising, but I'm not going to wear it on my wrist anymore. No. That's inspiring to hear because I've kind of been... I won't say that it causes me anxiety, but it just wearing it makes me so much more aware of the tech and of communication and of staying connected than I want to be. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I originally got it for running. Yeah. But then I wear it all the time because primarily is as dumb as it sounds. And I know I've said this before. I love the data. I just, I love the steps, the miles, flights of stairs, but it's gotten to the point where I don't really care actually. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I love the data. I don't do anything with it. I don't need it. It doesn't change my behavior. I'm still going to run the same amount at the same time. So I, I kind of feel like doing it. But every time I've gone to take it off, there's something in my brain. It's like, well, but what if you miss something? <laughs> and I know it's irrational. And I know there's nothing I'm going to miss that's that important. But you, you get attached to it. Yeah. You depend on it in a way that you shouldn't. But that is what happens. Yeah, I mean, it, you. There's a thing on the watch that dings at the. I don't know if, if it dings for you at the at ten till the hour to to tell you to stand up and walk around, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, that drove me fucking insane because I would do it and then I'd be like, well, should I get up and do it? Or like, there was always this like, but I'm in the middle of this thing that I'm doing, and if I lose concentration, then I. But I. But I need to stand up, and you know, I don't know, like. I really do have to say that being untethered to those measurements and being untethered to, I got to check my email. I got to check my email. I got to check my email. I didn't, and I haven't really looked at Facebook except for like once or twice in the last six weeks. And being away from that was amazing. (laughs) And it sort of really brings into focus the beauty of actual life (laughs) the freedom to live actual life and not to be worried about okay well if we sit here too long at the sen eating bread and drinking wine then i can't get in another thousand steps right and my watch is going to yell at me to stand up Yeah, my watch is going to tell me while i'm sitting there at the sen that i gotta get up and walk around and and it's going to ding with notifications that another email has come in another email has come in and i just turned it off boom done and I cannot, I think that was proud of one of the things that healed me the most while I was there. Cause I, I did a lot of healing. I didn't know I needed to do a lot of healing, but I did a lot of healing both there and in Amsterdam. Definitely sounded that way. We talked a bit in the beginning. Yeah. As you were settling in and there was, it was a lot going on. It was a lot. I was in a lot of pain. It was really, really painful. And I was, you know, I was really upset. I was very mad that I wasn't going to be able to do Paris the way I wanted to do Paris. And then I finally realized, let go of that. Why do I, why do I have to do Paris the way I, you know, why am I set to this agenda in my head? And when I did that, like I, this month, this time in Paris and in Amsterdam was the best trip so far. When you finally cut out the agenda. When I cut out the agenda and I disconnected, it was by far the best trip I have ever taken in my life. Even with a broken foot. It was just sort of I slowed down and I talked 
way, way, way more to people and got to know people more and got to know the locals more and would say hi and would check and talk about their kids and, you know, just slow down. And I know that's it's a cliche. People tell you to do that all the time. But when you actually do it, you're like, oh, this makes sense. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's a cliche, but you realize it's actually very true. Yeah. And these agendas, like whether you're on vacation or wherever, and, and there's a time and a place for everything, right? So sometimes you need a, a regimented schedule and you need to get shit done. Yeah. But these agendas are just, and, and maybe it's a personality type thing. And so we share that in common, but it's this artificial pressure that you create and then put on yourself Yeah. for no reason, especially when you travel. And I, I've done the same thing, like you have to do these certain things or be aware of this time or do that or do this. And that kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah. Like we, exactly. It defeats the purpose because if you go to, you feel like, okay, we have to go see this museum and then you go to the museum and then you're like, okay, I gotta go, I gotta go to the next museum. Then did you really see the first museum? Did you really pay attention? Or were you just thinking, okay, I gotta get this done. And then, then the next one, I gotta see all these things. The first full day that we were in Amsterdam, we went to the Van Gogh Museum, and they were sold out for the next three days. So we had to wait okay. to go to the actual museum. We had to buy tickets for the following Monday. So we were like, well, what do you want to do now? And we just sort of walked over to this uh, modern art museum. I forget. The, I, I can't say the word because it's. <laughs> I, I would mess it up, and it would, I would maul the word. But it's this beautiful new, like... um modern building with modern art in it and we walked in and we looked around and we we got a like a, a floor plan and he was like would you like to like you know sit down and get something to eat and so we just walked over to the cafe outside and sat down for like an hour and a half uh, we didn't we didn't go see a site we just sat down and looked around and right it was <laughs> You didn't dwell on the fact that you weren't able to get tickets yeah. or that you had to wait. It was just. Yeah, we didn't go, okay, well, what other thing can we go see? We just like, mm, let's go sit down and enjoy a meal and a glass of wine and a beer and, and look around. And, you know, it was beautiful weather. And it was like that simple thing. I get, you know, again, that simple thing sort of brings into, you know, daily life at home. You don't do that. <laughs> right. And, but maybe we should more often, though. Yeah. Like, that's that's kind of what it... I mean, you mentioned earlier, like, the European way. And I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but in college, I, th I think it was, like, my first year of college, I worked at a, a cafe in the town I was from that was owned by a man from Belgium. And I remember when I was first starting, and he was training me, and this guy's name was Patrick, and he would walk around, and he would drink dopios from, like... 6 a.m. until close. I don't know how he did it. He would just walk around and just sip espresso nonstop and was incredibly chill also. It was very bizarre. But he told me at one point, he said, if we open the door at 7 and someone comes in and they, they order a coffee, he said, the table they sit at is their table until we close, even if they don't order anything else. Wow. And that is so weird because here it's like they're you're still finishing your meal and they're like, here's the check, but no rush. <laughs> like, well, now I feel rushed. Now I need to finish eating and go because the check is there. Exactly. But his that was his whole attitude. Like they can come in and spend two dollars 
and be the only customer to sit at that table all day and that's fine yeah it's their table and it's just that idea of pacing is really fascinating and no there's not every day that we can do it sometimes you have drop off and pick up or meetings or but i feel like that the essence of some of that can be worked into life in general yeah that's what we we we, we that was part of our discussion in Amsterdam was like, how do we translate this, what we're feeling here into daily life? Like, how do we, and and he and I talked quite a bit about, you know, I, I can get really anxious and frustrated with the pace of uh, what happens when the kids get home. I mean, the pace of work, you know, the pace of work, it's just, you're sort of, you got to get it all done before they get home. And Right. I'm okay with that because I'm in control of that and I know exactly what lane to stay in, right? When the kids get home, you never know. You never know right. what the mood's going to be or what the homework's going to be. And then if you've got, you know, dance and piano, all, all, all of that, it's like, how do, we, we talked about this kind of, how do I, you know, calm down and calm that pace down? Just the pace inside you, like your internal pace in that situation? Yes, and the pace and the pace of the actual, you know, the kids and their mood and um, the driving. And we, we determined, and I, and <laughs> I know I'm going to get shit for this, like the driving aspect of the afternoon part of things uh, is the worst part for me because I'm in a car for a few hours and it, the traffic sort of like makes my anxiety worse about all the things that I need to should have been doing while I'm in the car. If I could hire a teenager or a, a responsible teenager or college student to drive my kids to their activities, that would probably ease my stress by about 80%. We talked about that. Right. And that's on the table. So just ways to cut down yeah. on the major stressors. Mm -hmm. And to not like remove me from the aspect of Marlo's homework to have someone else help her with that or to get her a tutor or somebody to help her get through the frustration of homework. Yeah. I think that, I mean, those are both good ideas. You need to be able to identify, I don't know if, if trigger is the right word. I think that's probably the wrong word here, but identify those things and see how you can maybe not even alleviate them completely, but just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it's hard because I, it's, it's funny. You said you were going to get shit for this because I feel like every time you mention driving, there's someone who's quick to point out that driving is really not that bad. And that's awesome that it's not that bad for them. Like, I, I think that's great. Like I personally, I don't mind it that much. Sometimes it's very inconvenient. But at the same time, when you talk about like being in the car and thinking of all the things that you could be doing, I know that feeling. Like I know I sit in the car and I'm like, okay, for the next 30 minutes, I should be doing A, B, and C, but I have to be driving a car. Mm -hmm. So you have to identify those things and just acknowledge that those things are not universal. Right. Like the fact that you, you absolutely hate driving and it just ramps up your anxiety that's just one of your things. Yeah, that's one of Even my things. Even if it's not for somebody else. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, right? It's, it's relative. It's, it's a very relative um, stressor. 
And if we can identify those stressors and either eliminate those stressors or find ways to cope with those stressors better, I, you know, that that's the whole point of um, getting better and understanding the points of my anxiety. Yeah, I, I mean, just calming down and realizing, you know, if I don't get to that email, it's going to be fine. Because <laughs> it was fine for three weeks, you know, right. life didn't end. Right. And I also, I mean, factor in now, it's my right foot that's broken. So driving is a little hard right now. I can see that. Yeah. And Lita wants to take multiple dance classes, which would mean like basically every night we would have to be driving for about two and a half hours. Which is a which is a lot of time. Yeah. She's, I mean, she is also though approaching the driving age. She is. We are. T- I'm taking her to get her permit either this weekend or next. <laughs> That's terrifying. But I, Lexton has no interest. He just he doesn't really care, yeah. and I am. I am simultaneously terrified and really trying to sell it because that would be it would be helpful in a lot of ways. Yeah, it would be, right? It would be very, very helpful. <laughs> Plus for you, she can drive Marlo mm-hmm. eventually. I mean, I don't know how those rest- I know there's like weird age restrictions and how many kids of what ages they can have in the car and so I think if you can drive, you can drive kids, right? Well, I see that's just it. I know that like here, I, I I don't know them all because he hasn't done it yet, but something like they're not allowed to have more than X number of people under a certain age in the car for a certain amount of time. Oh, really? like he, he has a friend and I want to say at one point his friend wasn't allowed to drive other kids until he hit like a certain number of hours or something. I don't I don't know what they are, but I know there's these strange restrictions so you don't get you know a random 16 year old packing a car with 15 year olds and driving like an idiot (laughs) but which is probably unavoidable anyway and i'm sure i did that so who knows but in any case it's good to identify those things and try and cut them out a little bit yeah um as i as i healed um i we I was like, okay, how do I bring this home? How do I bring, you know, this, um, how do I, <laughs> you know, you wake up, you wake up in a, without your kids in a, in a foreign country and your mind doesn't immediately go to, oh God, oh God, oh God, what, what, wait, wait a minute, that has to happen, that has to happen, that has to happen. And, and I'm not waking up in it, like in the, the fire that I used to wake up in, but I still wake up and go, okay, yeah, so that has to happen and that has to happen and that has to happen. Um, and how do I wake up and just not do that? <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I mean, it's maybe too soon to tell because you haven't been home for that long, but I think disconnecting from your watch and the Fitbit, mm-hmm. I think that's huge. Honestly, I mean, even something as simple as, you know, if you do drive, you don't have to feel emails and texts come in on your watch Mm -hmm. like that. I feel like that would already bring the anxiety down a notch because you're not sitting there thinking, oh, my God, I can feel all of this information coming at me. Yeah, it, it already has. I mean, 
like I'm sure that so your school starts tomorrow, right? For you, yeah, it does. Right. So this is this is Tuesday the thirteenth. So first day is here is on on Wednesday. Fuck, like really? Why are they starting yeah. school on the fourteenth of fucking August? Seriously, like if summer isn't even over. No, I don't. I remember like we would get out June, like early June, like second or third, and go back after Labor Day. Yeah. And I don't. I mean, we've talked before, like. They definitely have way more days off than we did in school. <laughs> but at the same time, I feel like if this is the result of that, like they're kind of just going later and starting earlier, but then having more days off, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's great. And I'm kind of, I think year-round school is a great idea, but this feels like some sort of strange hybrid. I, is it budget cuts? Is it? Uh, it I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, but you, you know, I'm sure that you've been through the ringer just trying to get everything ready for him to go, right? Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, and at some point, maybe if if anyone is interested, I can share some of the links and resources that I've found for, for homeschooling because that is a beast. <laughs> so it, that's that's what's been weird is now we've done that a year so i have some amount of experience with it and and so does lexton and so now it's not just getting things for school like supplies or clothes or shoes or whatever but it's also going to the public high school and getting his schedule and books for the classes that he is taking there and then establishing the curriculum for the other classes at home so there's like that whole that whole extra step, which I brought on myself. I'm not complaining. It's it's just a, it's a thing. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mm-hmm. While also working and chasing a dog. <laughs> yep, you still have that dog. <laughs> oh yeah, and and just yesterday she had her spay procedure done. Ooh no. Yeah. Oh so no. She's she has got the cone. cone. I saw on. the cone. I saw the cone. Yeah. Oh. She's got the cone. She's still a little bit high. <laughs> and. She, I mean, I don't know if this is her, if this is just a dog thing, but whenever she like walks through rooms or goes around corners, she cuts it as close as she can. Like that's just how she moves, like stays by the wall or, you know, goes right by the table leg. So now with the cone, 
Like she she hits everything. <laughs> every and every time she hits it, if you're if you're nearby in the room, she looks at you like, "What the fuck is this? <laughs> what is going on?" And then we'll turn around and hit it again, and then try to scratch your head, and it's just claws on a little plastic. It's yeah. Oh, it's been, poor it's been, a, it's been a period. Oh yeah, she's very. She's much better today. Yesterday was a sad day. She was just like out of it, totally out of it, but also kind of sore and shaky. And so you decided to spay her the week that Lex didn't start school. <laughs> I did. The, the unfortunate thing is, I didn't have a choice. The adoption agency was like, "This needs to happen. She's now authorized. She needs to go." Oh wow! So yeah, it's and if she's anything like Coco, she's going to remember that place that removed her ovaries forever and when you drive I'm, by that place she's gonna flip i'm really glad you mentioned that because the way that it all worked is when i adopted her i got to pick her vet so i picked a vet that was by my house but the adoption agency pays for the procedure but they pick the vet so the vet that i went to for the spay procedure is a vet that i will never go to again okay even Lexton said the same thing. He's like, oh, man, she's going to be so angry when oh, we yeah. take her back. Oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, thankfully, we never have to take her back there again. <laughs> Which was also, though, I mean, it's like 40 minutes from my house, so that was a whole thing, you know, just getting her out there. And I feel yeah. like I feel like she has that sense. Like, she knew we were not in the car to go somewhere fun. Right. So she just paced in the back seat yeah. and was a little whimpery. And I'm like, no, now I feel terrible. <laughs> Yeah. yeah well, and then you pick them up and they've got the cone and their eyes are half open. <laughs> yeah. Like Coco makes noise. Coco actually sort of talks. Like she makes, when she screams, she almost is saying words. Like, oh, yeah, you've said that, yeah. Like, so when we get near the vet, it's almost like she's like, my ovaries, my ovaries. <laughs> she starts screaming in the backseat and just trying to claw her way out of the car so that she can run oh, away. Oh, man. Yeah. So, yeah, that in addition to starting school has been, it's been fun. There's so much to get done before my kids go to school on Monday. And (laughs) seriously, this is, I don't understand. Everything that needed to happen for them for school, like the registration process and picking up supplies and all that kind of stuff, happened while I was still in Amsterdam that early. And the kids wow. aren't even home. And I found out yesterday that they're coming home alone. John was supposed to have flown out with them, but he decided, I guess, at the last minute that he didn't want to. And so they're coming home alone. So I have to go to the airport tonight and be at the airport for about three hours to pick them up oh. at the gate. What time do they get in? At eight o'clock. Oof. So there's all this, like, I have to go figure out if I can still, you know, do all the stuff I'm supposed to do to get them into their classes. And, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I don't, I don't know. There's, I'm okay. (laughs) It'll get done. It'll get done. I mean, it will. And honestly, like if they can't get into one, I mean, you're almost at that point where there's no sense in worrying because it's not going to matter. Mm -hmm. Like you could, you could, stress out about it but that, that doesn't she do miss the class then that is that sucks but you know 
it's, 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 it's going to get done. It'll get done. And if it doesn't get done, the world still, still turns. And I you know, it's fine. I, I don't know. Like, I, 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 I normally, this sort of, this week of the year, I'm sure I'm, we pro- could probably go back to the podcast that we recorded the last two years, and I'm just like a total anxiety ball mess. Oh my god, everything that has to get done. I just don't care. I mean, I care, but it'll get done. It's fine. Right. Mm-hmm. You're not worried about it. Mm-mm. That's good. Yeah, I mean, they are they are both coming home, and I know this. They're Lita cannot go back to camp next year. She's too old. And is she, Lita was is she upset about that. Yes. Okay. Um, so she, she was there for six straight weeks. Right. I, I talked to her twice. And the second, the first time I talked to her, she was good. There was some stuff going on that was a little, like, she was sad about, but she was still in a really good mood. And then the second time I talked to her, she was joyous. She had one more week to go. And she was just so, she's like, this is the best summer of my life. And I love it. And I, I don't want to go home. And and uh, so she sent me a picture when they went to pick her up. She sent me a picture of herself. And uh, she says, I'm sobbing. How are you? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, wow. And then I, I talked to her that afternoon, and she can't go back as a as a as a camper, but she can apply to be a counselor. So that's what we're going to work on, so oh, that she can wow. go back as a counselor. Yeah, which would be so amazing for her. Yeah. She would be a counselor to like because Marlo's at the same camp, right? Yeah, yeah. So it would be to like her age ish. Yes. Mm-hmm. That would be really interesting. She would love it. Like she would love the responsibility, and she's she was a captain. I think of I don't even understand. She has to explain it to me when she gets home. There's an orange team and a blue team, and they elected her captain of the orange team. And um, I don't know. She's she, but she's so upset about it being over, which I understand because. Yeah. Which I understand because, oh, uh, wow. Uh, yeah, I got really, really, really upset the last night that I was in Paris because I had been there for a long time and, you know, I'd come a long way and it had sort of become like the home away from home and I was like, I have to leave. And I got, I don't know what, I was just so overcome with emotion. I was Lita sending my mom a picture of myself sobbing, right? <laughs> tears streaming down my face and in that state i mistakenly thought that pete was telling me listen i i know you're upset but we need to get we need to get packed and we need we need to make sure that we're ready to go and i in that state i was just like you need to let me mourn oh god <laughs> just because it was like you know it was the best five like the best time in Paris so far. And so I just, I walked around the streets of Paris for about two and a half hours until about four or five in the morning by myself, listening to music, crying. I know that's so dramatic. It's so dramatic, right? And, but so I understand where Lita is coming from. Like Lita is leaving this thing behind and coming back to reality. And I even said to Pete, like, 
let's not look at it as going back to reality. Let's look at it as, you know, we're going to handle this. We're going to bring this back. We're going to bring this into our lives. If we just change the perspective and the focus a little bit, it could change everything. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Are you going to start meditating for 30 minutes a day now? I might. You should. <laughs> continue. Continue that. <laughs> It'd be great if she could be a counselor, though. I did something very similar. Did you? Was, I, but it wasn't like a year to year. I had gone to a camp. Oh, I don't even remember when it was. But then years later, because other counselors were in like the 18 to 20 year old range. Mm-hmm. And one of the organizers asked me to come back to be a camp counselor. And it was it was great to be able to go back. But it was also really fascinating to see like the, the quote unquote behind the scenes like mm-hmm. what the counselors are doing and what life was like for them at camp. Yeah. Because so many of those rules do not apply. <laughs> like it's like an enhanced experience, you know? I mean, if she already enjoyed it, I think it'll be like that. And obviously she'll have the responsibilities of the kids and there's all of the challenges that come with that. But I think with some of those things lifted, it really does kind of enhance that experience and bring it full circle. Yeah. And again, she's, she would thrive with that responsibility and she'd be really good at it. Is there a chance that she could be Marlo's counselor? I, I don't know. Pro- probably. Um, <laughs> apparently, Marlo is a bit of a star um, among her age group and among the older kids, too. They love her. She does, you know, she's a, she's a performer. She's a Gemini. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right she's unpredictable and you know fun and funny and likes to perform and then she's got that dimple and it's you know th- apparently she's like a very popular at camp well wow. they're coming home with you know they're, they're gonna come home and they're gonna see me and they're gonna have that you know seeing mom release of oh it's okay to cry now <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, and i'm ready for it i'm good i'm okay with that it's going to be, we're going to get it done again. It's just, I don't know. Like, it's going to be fine. And then within two weeks, it'll be like, not not like nothing happened as in you disregard it, but you'll be back into everyday life like you've always been in everyday life. Yeah, but I'm, I really do see myself taking things a lot more slowly and moving at a much slower pace deliberately and um and soon that deliberateness will become just a natural way of going about things um i have a i've paid all my bills but i have a stack of probably 250 envelopes from mail that i have not opened and i've got approximately 75 packages from the mailbox sitting in my office that i have not opened so many books yeah, and I'll get to it. Um, and I need to, you know, get rid of some clothes and I need to organize the pantry, but we'll get to it. Yeah, it'll get done. Mm-hmm. What's more important is that, uh, you know, there is a, both Salt Lake City and Ogden, Utah, have um, what's called a Twilight Series where they bring in, like, the, uh, we're going to see the National at the beginning of September. Oh, nice. 
yeah, it's an outdoor theater and um, an outdoor like stage. And we're going to see, I think we're seeing Fantagram this week and Lita is coming with us. Like that's more important than worrying about whether or not, you know, I paid the fees right on the website for the school or, you know, whatever. Right. Go, going to see a, a concert and having her enjoy it. That's, that's way more important, you know? Absolutely. Well, and especially being able to be there and not think about the fees for the school. Yeah. Like be at the, be present. Being present. Mm-hmm. I know but, this is one of those like feel good podcasts. You need to be present, but good God, you know, it's really hard when you're tethered to a, to a, to a watch. And when you're tethered to a Fitbit, when you're tethered to notifications and it's just like, it's really hard. And once you make a decision to like, fuck it, <laughs> oh yeah but in it, but it's like anything else where once you once you fall into a routine it becomes natural and becomes part of your life but the issue is that when that routine is toxic you feel like you have to keep going because the wheel keeps spinning but at a certain point you realize like the wheel is only spinning because you're making it spin yeah like you and and I don't mean this as an accusation, but like you were bringing on some of that stress with the Fitbit and the watch yes. because your oh, brain absolutely. was telling you you needed to, but you, you didn't at all. It was completely artificial. And I say that while feeling a text message come in on my watch. So <laughs> speak it from experience, but eventually it just becomes like, if you do, you know, take a step back, slow down and take some things less seriously, for a few weeks or months, that has to be a very intentional, conscious thing. But then one day you'll realize, oh, I really took things slowly today and I didn't even think about it. Mm-hmm. Because that then becomes the new routine. Yeah. There was, we were at a bar in Amsterdam one night and there's this really, really obnoxious guy sitting next to me and being really obnoxious even though Pete was sitting next to me, he was being pretty obnoxious about what he was saying to me. Oh, and, being obnoxious to you. Well, he was just being obnoxious in the way that he was hitting on me, even though Pete was sitting next to me. Oh, God. And he, he was trying to be coy about it, but it wasn't coy, and it was obnoxious. And I, I kept saying, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm here with someone. Please, you know. And he finally sort of just like, just sort of like gave me this really awful look and then just sort of like walked away finally and there was this british guy sort of sitting near us and we got into a conversation with him and he was like he's like oh man i I fucking hate those (laughs) i'm gonna say this i fucking hate those cunts (laughs) oh god oh yeah got this huge conversation he's like I'm on, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on business, and my wife is not here. But she's gotten to the point when, when that happens to her, she's like, "Fuck off, mate! Fuck off! You got to get to that point where you just like put your hand in his face and you say, "Fuck off." And I was like, "I do," and it's such a oh, metaphor. So <laughs> that is that is a perfect metaphor. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. That's a. That's an interesting move on his part. Yeah, I know. He was well, right there, though. it's you know, Amsterdam is a very free and loving place. I'll just put it that way. You know, a lot of things are legal in France or uh, Amsterdam. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Did you sample the local culture? <laughs> you did. What are you Come talking about? What when you... in when in Rome? When in Rome? When in Rome? Might as well. <laughs> so uh, we will end this soon because I have to. Wait a minute. Wait, what happened? Okay. Um, yeah, because I have to go. Um, but I'll say this. You're still there, right? I am, yeah. And I have a hard stop, too, so this is perfect. <laughs> okay. So uh, there's that Bonnie Vare song, Hey Ma, right? Oh, yeah. Hey Ma, Hey Ma. And uh, they came out with the album. The album's really good. So I played a few songs over and over again when I at the beginning of the trip because I sort of like worked through my emotions with music. And I played that song quite a bit. And it, it got to the point where Pete was like, please turn it off. Turn off that song. And at one point he was relieved because it was not the national. <laughs> I know. And uh, there's the <laughs> there's a line in that song where he says he's token on bloke. Right? Yes. He was token on bloke. Yeah. So that was fun. That was fun to sing in Amsterdam. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Oh, wow. I didn't write about it. But you embraced it. You lived slowly. I lived slowly is what I did. Yes. So, yeah. Hard. It feels like a weird motto to end an episode of Manic Rambling Spiral with, but here we are. Here we are. And, and we're back. Probably back to a regular schedule now. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, whatever that looks like. <laughs> I know. So if you have anything to uh, to say as we get caught up here, you can email us, as always, to stories at manicramblings.com. And you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, again, at manicramblings. And, of course, Patreon, which is patreon.com slash manicramblings. Mm-hmm. Really had to think about all those. It's been a while. <laughs> right now. It's been a while. Oh, God. And, uh, yeah, Patreon. And um, thanks for being patient with us. And and hopefully you'll hear the ease, at least in my voice, and hopefully the ease in in John's. Um, Because actually spaying your dog actually makes them calmer. Um, That's what I've heard. Yeah. And um, until next time, I think we all need to learn how to stick our hand in his face and say, fuck off, mate. Many thanks to Tan Lines for the soundtrack, to Lisa Congdon for the cover art, and to Ryan Coomer for his expertise with the editing stuff. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.